doing this morning? Good to see y'all. Oh, look at your bright, beautiful faces. It's good to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. And for those who are packed into this room or in an overflow space or maybe watching online uh, right now, I have a buddy uh, who lives in Sacramento. He was already up early California time watching our 8.30 gathering this morning taking notes. That's pretty cool. So uh, I see you, Mike. Uh, and so uh, I just want to welcome you. We are in week two of a teaching series called This Abundant Life because that's what it actually is. doesn't always feel that way, but that's what it actually is, that God is a God of abundance, that there is always more than enough for you and for me, but we miss that. And so what we're trying to do is pay attention to that and look at how that applies to our actual every. Uh, day lives. I got a glimpse of the goodness and abundance and generosity of others earlier this year. My parents were coming into town to visit, and uh, I was heading out to Midway to pick them up because uh, they only fly southwest. And so I'm heading out there <laughs> to pick them up. And I want—I thought I had a moment. I was like, I want to be a good son. I'm going to get them some coffee. I'm going to get them something at Starbucks. And if you've ever driven to Midway, you know that there's only one Starbucks in like a hundred mile radius of Midway. And so that one Starbucks right before you get there, I just said, I'll pull in their flight. is just about to land. I'll just get them something. I know what my mom likes to drink. My dad doesn't drink coffee. So I'll get them some fruity tea thing and this will be great. Well, I pull up and it, there is maybe two to 300 cars in this line. Like it is <laughs> so backed up. And if you've been to that, that Starbucks by Midway, it's not e like you are locked in. Once you get in that line, you are locked in. And so now I'm in the line that's moving slow and they text me, Hey, we just landed. I'm like, cool. I'll be there in a second. And I'm looking ahead and I'm stressed a little bit, you know, and then it's like, Hey, it's going to be a little while. And I can't get out of the line to just leave and go get them. And now I've committed. So I get up to the front, make my order. You know, I think it was like an hour ago I'd made my order. And then I finally get up to the window to pay. And this is what happens. The woman says to me, uh, as we're, I'm about to pay, she goes, oh, don't worry about it. The person in front of you paid for you. Wow is right. That's what, how I felt. I was like, there is a God and he is good. Like, this is awesome. And I said, well, how, do you, how did they even know what I was going to order? She's like, remember when you did that an hour ago? I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You have it in your computer. And they paid for it. I said, that is so cool. She said, yeah, someone started a couple cars ago because the line was so long and they just wanted to do that for you. And I was so moved in that moment. And I was struck with a real moral dilemma. Because <laughs> you know what's next. I could receive this gift and be on my way. Or I can do it for the next car. And I don't want to be the one to break that, you know, generosity train. And so I said, all right, well, let me do it for the car behind me. Um, what, do, what do they owe? And she looked down and she goes, oh, it's $36 that they owe. <laughs> I said, to him, did they order every pumpkin spice latte? Like all the pumpkin spice lattes? Like what? And so I'm like, all right, do you take payments, installments? Like how are we gonna do this? So, so I, I so I paid for it anyway. And when I, you ever have someone do that for you, pay for your coffee or pay for a meal? Doesn't that feel good? In that moment, you're like, oh man, I didn't need. I mean, I didn't need that, but you did that. Thank you. Or maybe you've been um, on the freeway and you had to pay cash for a toll and someone paid for your toll. You ever had that? I've had that happen to me. Someone in front of me paid for my toll. I didn't know who it was. They paid for my toll. In fact, when I got there, they said, oh, the guy just gave us 20 bucks so everyone can go through behind you, you know, until it's done. I was like, that is so cool. It changed my attitude when I was leaving that toll. I was, I was so, like, I probably wasn't going to yell at the person driving slow in the left lane because it may have been them that paid for my toll, right? So I you know, changed my perspective on things. Uh, maybe for you, let's take it now to a much, much deeper level. Maybe for you, um, you found yourself in a moment you didn't ever think you'd find yourself in where you needed blood. 
and maybe if there was surgery or an accident or something that happened, and someone had thought of a moment you didn't ever think about, didn't want to have to think about, and gave blood so that you could actually make it through the surgery. Or someone you know received blood from someone else that gave it. Boy, who, who does that? Who thinks like that? Those kind of ways where they just give in a way that's beyond themselves. Where does that come from? That kind of generosity. In fact, for what we're going to look at today, I, I just want us to consider the question, where does generosity even come from at all? Where does generosity come from? Because it's not a natural inclination. It's actually not naturally something that's hardwired into you or me. When you were a baby learning words, one of the first words you learned was no, shortly followed up by the word mine, right? So it's not like it's not naturally hardwired into us to be generous people. So where does that actually come from? You know how I know this? I know this because uh, I don't know if you know this right now, the Mega Millions lottery. Anyone know what the number's up to right now? One, well, yes, you do. You clearly know that number. Okay, $1.6 billion for that lottery. Some of y'all are going to head straight to 7-Eleven after church today to get in on that. And I know if you've thought about it, because I've thought about it. We were talking about it the other night as a family. Like, what would we do if we won? That would be some life-changing, game-changing kind of money. No one thinks about when they think about winning the lottery, do you know how many wells I could dig in Africa? No one thinks that way. Let's just be honest. We think about yachts and summer homes and all that kind of stuff. Why? It's not because you're a bad person. It's because generosity isn't naturally hardwired into you. So where does it come from? How do you experience what you receive from someone, I'm sure all of us have different moments, receive the generosity of others? How do we actually grow that in us? What if, what if God created you for more than me? More than just a me-first attitude. What, what if, in fact, generosity wasn't just about a moment? What if generosity was more like a muscle? It's not just a moment where you kind of feel compelled. What if it was like a muscle, like every other muscle in your body that needs to be stretched and worked so that over time your generosity happens effortlessly? It just becomes the way that you go about doing things. What if you actually already have all that you need to be a generous person? And, and what if, in fact, all that you need actually already came from a generous God? That's what I want us to look at today. I want us to break down the anatomy of generosity. So grab a Bible, if you will. Let's do that together. You can turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, if you brought a Bible with you, great. You know where to go, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If not, look under your chair right now. There should be one of these Soul City Bibles. looks just like this. Grab it, and you can turn to page 940 in the Soul City Bible. That'll get you right to 2 Corinthians 9. Let me give you some quick context before we look at what's going on and where generosity actually comes from. Uh, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It was not written to be a part of a book called the Bible. It was a letter to a church. The church is in the city of Corinth, and this church that Paul is writing to, he helped start, it's only a couple years old. So it's just two, three years old, and he is writing a letter to them to help them grow in this area of generosity in their lives. And uh, Paul actually wrote this letter about 20 to 23, they estimate, years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So this is shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus that turned the whole world on its head. And there was, in the city of Jerusalem, a famine that had led to a great wave of poverty, extreme poverty, in the city of Jerusalem. 
So Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, hundreds of miles away, saying, hey, I want you to grow in this area of generosity to meet the needs of people you'll never meet. I want you to help meet the needs of people that you will never actually meet. And so he begins to break down what generosity actually looks like and what happens when we give ourselves to it. He says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, remember this. He's just kind of teaching them about generosity, about giving to God and giving to others. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now you get the idea here, right? The metaphor that he's using here. Basically, we have other phrases for it in our culture. You get what you give. You know, you only get out of it what you put into it, right? If maybe you started a business or run a business, you've probably used the phrase at some point, you got to spend money to make money. It's that kind of idea. If you kind of sow or invest generously, you're going to receive generously from it. So he goes on to talk about flexing and growing our generosity muscle. He's talking to them about meeting this need in Jerusalem. He says this in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have what? What you have decided. Now that's really important. Pay attention to that. He's saying, look, God's already given you all that you need and you have it within you to determine this. So each of you should give what you've already decided in your heart to give. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. Paul's like, don't, don't be moved or persuaded just by this letter. This is between you and God, what you've determined in your heart to give. And he says, not reluctantly or under compulsion or some kind of guilt because God loves a what? God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give out of joy. Our generosity is tied to our gratitude. God loves that. And what basically Paul is saying here is that guilt never grows generosity. You can't shame someone into being a more grateful person. You should be more grateful. Okay, I am. It doesn't work. That, it just doesn't work that way. That's not what compels us. He says, no, no, no. Just in your heart, determine whatever it is God leads you to give. Because God loves when you love to give. He goes on to say this, verse 8. And this is really important. It's where we got the whole idea for the series. And God is able to bless you what? God is able to bless you abundantly. Let's say that word again. God is able to bless you abundantly, that there is actually going to be more than enough. He will bless you abundantly. Now, I'm going to do the shout out thing back and forth, okay? So we're going to move on through the rest of the verse. But when I pause, all you need to do is shout out the next word to me. Does that make sense? Nope. Yep. Okay, good. All right, if you're watching online and you're at Starbucks, just say these words out loud, see what happens, all right? So when I pause, you say the next word out loud. So let's go back to the beginning. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you, you see any vague generalities that Paul is laying out there? No, it's definitive that in all times and all things, you will have all that you need for every, so that you can abound. God will give to you abundantly so that you can abound in every good work. In other words, what Paul is saying here is God never barely blesses anyone. Let's say that again. God never barely blesses anyone. God's not out for the minimum, lowest possible requirement of blessing you in your life. God's not like, okay, what do I need to do just to get him by? That's not how God works. He's an abundant God. It gives generously so that you can abound in every good work at all times, in every situation, in all circumstances. He, he never barely blesses anyone. It's not in his nature. It's in mine. <laughs> Be honest. Maybe it's in yours. You know, lots of times, okay, what do I have to do? Okay, all right, I got to go help him move. All right, okay, right? I, I got that in me. That's not in God. 
He blesses abundantly so that you can abound in everything that you do. Paul goes on to quote an old psalm, pulls that from the Old Testament, Psalm 112. He says this, as it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. So he goes on and builds on that. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, so the one who supplies it all will also supply and increase your supply of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, Paul's using the metaphor here. He's saying the same God who gives seed for us to sow or bread for us to eat, or if you were to give this message today, gluten, you'd say all kinds of bread, regular bread, gluten-free bread, now all kinds of bagels, all the bread, God gives it all. That in fact, what Paul wants you to get here is that God is intimately involved in the supply chain of your life. In fact, actually what Paul's saying here is God is the supply chain of your life. He provides you with everything you need so that in all things at all times, in every circumstance, every situation, you will be able to abundantly abound in everything that you actually do. In fact, he goes on to say it, verse 11. Remember, I'm going to pause. You're going to say the next word out loud. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will Result in thanksgiving to God. You see that? In every way, all. See what Paul's saying here. This is how God operates. He's not a barely blessing God. He's an abundant God who gives you all that you need in every way so that you can do the same. Now, referring back to that need that had broken out in the city of Jerusalem, hundreds of miles away with people that they would never meet, this is what Paul says in verse 12. This service, giving to these folks in this moment that you perform, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. It's not only meeting a tangible need, but it also has a spiritual impact because it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, that you actually get to be a part of a tangible difference by giving to their needs. But what has actually happened is this is a spiritual exercise as well. It's worship because it overflows in thanksgiving to God. It's just you saying, God, thanks. I recognize that it comes from you. He goes on to say this in verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others, get this, Others, because people that you'll never even met, because you gave and you trusted that God would do more with what you entrusted to him, because of that, others actually will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Like you're going to come up in their prayers. When they say, thank you, God, for providing this meal, they may not know your name, but they are lifting it up to heaven. That's powerful. That's absolutely powerful. That it results in this overwhelming expression of praise because of the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Where does that generosity come from? That ability to be able to trust God with what he's actually entrusted to you, to get past and beyond yourself. Where does this whole idea of giving to others Giving to God, where does it come from? Well, I think we can see as we look back in this passage, it has a source. Giving begins with God. Begins with God. He is a giving God. He is the one who actually gives first so that you can give just like he does. 
He gives of himself. He gives of himself abundantly. He gives of himself fully. He gives of himself freely. He's a giving God. In fact, one of the most famous verses in the world that you probably already know, but maybe didn't even get this, already says this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. He gave his only son, his precious son, for you and for me. And in fact, his son Jesus, as we celebrated last week, took bread and a cup. He said, this is my body and my blood I give to you. I give for you. I give my life so that you can have life. He said, we have a giving God. He's a giving God. And that's where generosity and giving all finds its source is in him. Giving begins with God. And if I'm being really honest, it took me a long time to get that. It took me a long time to begin to understand that. And really, honestly, for no good reason, because I grew up in the church. I grew up going to church, like literally grew up in church. Like our family lived over the fence at the back of the property of the church. Serious boundary issues I've worked through in counseling. I was always at church, like five days a week at church. And I received so much from the church. I'm so grateful for the two churches I grew up in. I'm so grateful to them. Because of these churches, I learned about the love of Jesus and said yes to him at a very young age. I thank God for their faithfulness. I learned about the Bible. I learned how to read the Bible and how to see God, understand, and know him more. I learned about how to share the love of God with others in these churches. I went to Sunday school. I loved it. I went to Wednesday night. We had a thing called Awana. Went to that. I loved it. When I got a little bit older, I went to youth group. I loved the student ministries. I'm so great. I made most of my friends. That was kind of my social world was these church kids. I know it, I know it sounds cool to you, but it like... <laughs> That was my world, and I'm so grateful for it. And I went to summer camps. I went to Christian summer camps, like every summer growing up. I fell in love with Christian girls that I loved for at least three or four weeks of the summer. Like, I, I received so much from these churches that poured into my life. In fact, there were people who would mentor me. Older folks in the church mentored me. I didn't know, even know how to ask for that. But there were people who, they used the churchy word, discipled me. They discipled and developed and mentored me and poured into me. And I had no idea what was going on. It wasn't well until I was in and through college, until Jean and I got married and we began to set up our financial world that we finally began to say, I finally began to say, I want to be a part of giving back to God. I've received so much, so much. And I would say, well, we faithfully kind of set it up to give to God. I don't think I ever really enjoyed the, the joy of generosity until we set out with a bunch of other folks to start this church when there was literally nothing. Like, I, we weren't worried about people filling the seats. We were worried about getting the seats like we didn't, you know, it was, God, how are you going to do? There's nothing. And a handful of us kind of cashed everything in and said, God, we want to give. We don't even know who's going to come. We don't even know if anyone's going to come. But God, we believe you're moving. And every week, every person that came and experienced the love of God and began to grow, again, I don't take, Jeannie didn't take, none of us get to take any credit for it, but we have a stake in it. We have a part to play in what God's doing here. And it's only over the last 10 years that I begin to enjoy that joy that comes from giving to God and seeing what he does in the lives of others as I do. Now, it took me a long time to get here. And I believe it's because whether I knew it or not or was aware of it or not, there was a posture that I had towards my money 
uh, growing up. And it took me a while to kind of understand the posture that I had towards my money and specifically uh, with God. And if, and if you've been around here before at Soul City Church, uh, maybe you've heard us use this language. I think there are three postures that we take when it comes to our money. The first posture that statistically most folks take in the world when it comes to their stuff is uh, we can call them a gripper. They're a gripper when it comes to their money. This is what my, most of my life was. Maybe you grew up without a lot of resources, and so as soon as you got some, you held on to it. Because you're like, yeah, I know what it's like to not have a lot, so I'm going to hold on to this as long as I can. If there's a posture that grippers take when it comes to their resources, it's hands clenched behind their back like, yeah, let me just see you try and get this money. I'm going to hold on to this as tight as possible because I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's next. I'm going to hold on to this as tight as possible. Statistically, most people in the world are grippers. It's the minority that actually are generous. Most people are grippers. And if it's one thing that grippers lack in their view of money, or as we're having a conversation about today, their view of God and money, if it's one thing they lack, it's perspective. I think it's just perspective. It's a perspective shift. This is actually all a gift from God, that giving begins with God. It's all a gift. When that perspective shifts, it opens your life up, totally changes your perspective. So there's grippers. And then the other uh, posture people tend to take when it comes to their money is they are tippers. We have tippers. Now, what does that mean? That means that people are not just holding on to their stuff. They're willing to release their stuff, but it's really kind of contingent on what they have on them. Rather than what God has put in their heart, it's more contingent on kind of what they have on them in that moment. So what does it look like? That looks like uh, the posture of that would be a hand in a pocket, reaching for whatever you got on you. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to feel compelled in a moment to give to God or to be generous to God or to give to someone else in a moment. You know, like, hey, I want to take care of this. What do I got on me to help this person I see on the side of the street? Or what do I got on me to maybe help cover the groceries for this person? It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to start. And the way it looks like here in church, and in fact, I'd say while the majority of the world are grippers, the majority of Christians are tippers. That people who go to church, the majority, just statistically speaking, you know, they'll, hey, when the bucket comes around, you know, they'll kind of reach in and go, what do I got? Okay, I got a 50. Well, not that one. Okay, I got a 10. I got some change. All right, cool. There you go. Way to go, God. You know, it's like, it, yeah, and it's not, I mean, okay, I'm being silly, but, you know, the point is it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just contingent on what you have on you. So there's something that I would say that tippers lack. I would just say, going back to, all the way back to the beginning of the passage we just looked at, the only thing tippers lack is a plan. They, they, you know when Paul said, determine in your heart, set aside, have an intention, what you want to give. Rather, like, let it be what's in your heart, not just what's in your pocket. Does that make sense? It's a great place to start. But I don't think this is really where God wants you to stay. Because I, I believe there's another, a third posture when it comes to generosity, and that is givers. That's folks who get that giving begins with God, and it's all a gift from God. And they just determine somehow they figure it out. Some folks have a percentage they set aside. That's helpful for a lot of folks. They got to set that aside. For some people, it's an amount, a dollar amount, but they just say, I want to just I want to get this one right in my life. I want to be free to give to God and support what he's doing and what others are doing. I want to be a giver in my life. If, if grippers lack perspective and tippers lack a plan, do you, do you know what givers lack? Nothing. The Bible says, actually, they lack nothing. They have all that they need. They get that it's all a gift from God. And so they just look at it and go, okay, it's God's money. I just get to move it around. 
I get to bless God and bless others and see it have an impact beyond just me. And I don't know about you. That's what, I, that's, that's what, I, that's what I'm about in my life. I want to be a giver. Don't you? Don't you want to be that kind of person? Don't you want that to be true of your life? Like that when someone else at some other church somewhere is asked a question by some pastor, who's the most generous person that you know? Come on, be honest. Don't you want them to say your name? I do. I want them to say, yeah, he's, he's so generous. He's just so free with his stuff. I think we all long to be these kind of people, generous, giving people. And so what does that look like? How does that work? I just want to walk you through some details real quick, and then I want you to hear a story of what it looks like. I personally, Jeannie and I personally believe that one of the greatest places for you to give of your resources, one of the greatest places for you to invest is the local church. Now, we support a lot of great organizations, support local organizations and organizations that are around the world, friends who've started organizations. We love to sponsor and support them. We've just found that the greatest impact of our resources is through the local church that it just has a way of meeting holistically the needs of people, unlike any other organization that we found, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. It just has a way of ministering young people, married people, single people, old people, kids, all, all of it. It just has a way of reaching people, unlike any other organization. And I also know that I say that having a vested interest in people giving to the local church, because that's how I get paid. And I, let's not pretend that we don't all know that, that we employ a staff here at this church to serve you, to serve the city, and to serve the world. And so I get it that it's like, oh. And if you're like even feeling a little skepticism coming up right now and cynicism coming up, like, oh, shoot, did I get this far and not realize this is a giving talk? Is this going to be one of those giving talks? Let me just set your heart at ease. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Welcome aboard. Yes, it is. And I get it that it may seem a little weird that I'm talking about this. To me, it's not weird at all. I wish I would have gotten this at a younger age of my life. I wish I would have gotten my financial house in order sooner. I'm so grateful God has led us there. Still got places to grow in that area. I just wish I would have gotten this sooner. So let's talk honestly about that, can we, for a second? And I just want to let you know, too, that in our church, we have set pretty high financial standards of integrity. We've heard enough stories and seen enough churches get sideways with money. And we don't want that to be the story of our church. And so just a couple things before I walk you through some numbers. Some of you like numbers? I'm going to walk you through numbers. Uh, we, uh, uh, Jeannie and I, as the lead pastors of this church, we don't physically touch the money. At, like I mean that literally. And also we are responsible and oversee the budget. But like when people give here on Sunday... I don't even know what happens to it. It gets in some armored car and drives around the block and then goes into some room in the back of the church and there's volunteers who have to like sign waivers and have high integrity because we don't want anything to get weird with money. I, I, don't you want to be a part of an organization or a church that has high standards? In fact, we actually voluntarily audit ourselves every year. We hire a company to audit us financially every year. You don't have to do that. In fact, most churches don't. I'm not bragging on us. I'm just saying I want you to know the kind of church that you're a part of, that we have wise, godly, financial folks and leaders in our church that say, let's just hold the bar as high as possible so that we don't get weird around this stuff and doesn't get sideways. Does that make sense? So let me walk you through just real quick a couple numbers just so you know. If you're like, hey, I want to get involved and be a part of what God's doing, let me let you know about this 
church and what God's doing here. Our budget for 2018 this year, our budget as a church is $2.7 million. Now, if you would have told me that number eight years ago, I would have passed out. (laughs) I didn't even think anyone was going to show up, let alone that there would be this kind of generosity in giving. Our budget is set on, again, these wise, godly financial leaders who look at our growth and our giving and kind of set our budget is done in process. It's not just one person coming up with a number. A team does it, and then we agree on it. Our elders approve it, and that sets the budget for this year. And just so you know kind of how the budget breaks down as a church, let me give you some quick percentages of how it actually breaks down. 10% of our budget right off the top goes to Love Works. I've told you this before, that we believe we want to practice what we encourage and invite you to do. We set a percentage aside. The reason we're able to partner with Breakthrough, the reason we're able to send teams to El Salvador, the reason we're able to extend the love of God is because we set this aside right off the top. Another 36% of our budget goes to ministry and operations. That's kind of the things we do and the way that we do them as a church, serving and meeting the needs of people uh, in our community and in this church. And then 54% of our budget, our annual budget, goes to personnel because we have a staff and they uh, serve tremendously. They're an incredible, incredible team of people. And they serve this church so faithfully. And many of them have sacrificed a ton to do so. And Gene and I want to be able to bless them and make it possible for them to live in and around this city so that they can serve the city that we all love so much. And we want them to have great benefits. We want their kids to actually have braces if they need them. We want them to be able to go to the doctor when they need to. And so that's where that percentage goes to for us. Anyone want to take a guess of what it costs our church to do what we do as a church every week. You want to take it. What do you think it costs to do church, to do Soul City Church in a week? Just have a number in your mind. What do you think it costs? Uh, the number of what it costs, basically, roughly, when you break it down from our budget, is it actually costs us $52,000 a week to run our church. Now, for some of you, you may go, wow, that's a lot. Like, what do you, I thought you all just sat around and prayed all week. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That cost, or for some of you, you're like, that's it? That's all it costs to do all of this? That's actually pretty amazing. And uh, here's what's actually amazing. It's not that amount. It's not that amount. You know, we got there through a lot of diligence and faithful stewardship. This is what's actually amazing. It's how much you give as a church. Now, before I show you what you give as a church, right now, uh, you're probably hoping that the number is greater than or at least equal to the one that I just put up on the screen. That's a sign of a good, healthy, growing church. I hope so too every week. And this is what I want to let you know. So far this year, on average in 2018, you give $55,350 a week as a church to the work of this church. Y'all need to clap for yourselves and celebrate that kind of generosity. That's actually unheard of, that you would give above and beyond generously. That's above and beyond folks who've given for this whole space to be built. Given for us to be able to equip and outfit our Soul City kids and students' spaces who give to benevolence and caring for the needs of people. That's just in and out every week. Y'all are an incredibly generous church. There are folks who are part of this church who excel in the grace of giving. And I just want to say to you, well done. You have no idea the lives that you've impacted, the stories of transformation while you wouldn't take credit for it, you are a stakeholder in those. Well done. And I want to just kind of let you know how that breaks down percentage-wise for our church. 
out of about the 3,000 or so folks that call Soul City Church their home. There's about 3,000 folks that call Soul City Church their home. Now, how do we get to that number? Well, according to our data and the studies that we've done and of our church and surveys we've done, uh, the average person at Soul City Church comes to just less than uh, twice a month to church. They, you come just less than twice a month to church. I don't know how you come just less than twice. You come to one and then a little late to the next one. I don't know. So, okay, so that's just how that works, but that's how it works out. So it's about 3,000. It's the best number we can kind of get out of people who call Soul City Church their home, come regularly, okay? Of that 3,000, around 800 of those folks give regularly. Roughly 800 or so folks give regularly. That breaks down to about, loosely, 27% of our church gives regularly. Now, upside and growth side. Upside is, those are some incredibly generous givers. It's everyday folks. It's everyday folks that just say, I, I get it. I want to be a giver in my life. That's the upside. Incredible generosity and trust to God. Growth side, you know, there's the other percentage, <laughs> the rest. <laughs> now, just to be encouraged, it's not about, you know, making you feel bad or guilty when you come to church, right? We've got enough of that in our life. Uh, statistically, on average in America, uh, roughly it breaks down to, in most churches, 20% of the church does about 80% of the giving. So we're, hey, above average. <laughs> but I think God's called us to more than that. I think he's called you more than that. He's called me to more than that, to be a giver that trusts him with our resources, to experience the joy of generosity and to receive the gift that actually comes from saying, God, here's, like, it may not seem like much. Maybe I have all my stories around God and money and I've been a gripper for so long or I've just been kind of tipping. I want to be a giver. Here it is. And I don't know, God, I don't know. You have no idea what God wants to do, not only in you, but through you and the lives of others. When you get this or you grow this in your life, maybe you kind of locked it in years ago. You're like, yep, got my number set. That's what it's going to be. But you know your financial world's changed. And so have you even gone back to God and said, God, how should my response to your generosity change? Is there more? Do you want me to adjust in this time? So this is what I want you to do just to get a picture of how important this is, what happens when we get this one right. I want you to uh, raise your hand here and overflow wherever you're at. Raise your hand if you have grown in any way by being a part of this church. In any way. Spiritually, you've grown. Your life's... Okay, so hopefully a lot of hands go up or we're in trouble as a church, right? Hopefully we're seeing growth and transformation happen in our church. Yeah, I'd say like... And maybe you're new around here like I just got here an hour ago. All right, cool. Hang tight. Well, hopefully this weekend will be a weekend of growth for you. All right, uh, raise your hand if you've ever been in a small group here at Soul City Church. Raise your hand if you've ever been in... Look around. I want you to put your hand up high. That's amazing that we really believe that circles are better than rows, that we grow together when we are huddled up around each other. Raise your hand if you've ever served or volunteered here in this church or with one of... Oh, man, this is awesome. Or one of our Love Works partners. Look around at the generous folks around. Isn't that awesome that they've served or volunteered, given of themselves? Raise your hand if you have or have had a kid or a student in Soul City Kids or Soul City Students. Raise them high and take a deep breath, because isn't it nice to have some peace and quiet in this room? <laughs> All you got is me yelling at you. It's nice, isn't it? Raise your hand. I love this. Raise your hand if you've been baptized at Soul City Church. Raise your hand. Look around. How cool is that to see? That's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Okay, last couple. Raise your hand if you started coming to Soul City Church in 2018. Raise your hand nice and high if you just started coming this year. And hold them up. I want you to keep them up and raise them high. Look around, folks. That's amazing. I'm, no, no, no. Keep them up. Keep them up. I'm going to make you... 
this is your exercise for today. I'm so glad God brought you here. Whether you just got here earlier today for the first time, you've been coming for a couple months now, do you know that that is our belief? God brought you here. I'm so glad you're here. Now, keep those hands up and raise your hand if you started coming to Soul City in the last three years. So within the last roughly three years, raise your hand, and I want you to look around the room. That's a lot of folks that God has brought to this church in the last three years. That's amazing. All right, you can go ahead and put your hands down. It's a powerful picture to see. And what's so amazing, if you raised your hand at any point over the last little thing that I just walked you through, at any point if you raised your hand, here's what's so true, whether you realize it or not. Here's what's so beautiful, whether you realize it or not. So powerful, whether you realize it or not. Is that someone got this. Someone got this before you got here. Aren't you glad they did? Someone got this before you got here. They got it. They said, you know what, God, I, I don't know if, God, what you're going to do, but here's my, I'm going to faithfully, joyfully, I want to give this to you because I believe whether I meet them or not, whether I know their name or not, whether we ever bump into each other or not, I believe, God, that you actually want to do more through me in the lives of others by just trusting this to you. Aren't you glad someone got this before you got here? Basically what it means is that others gave for me so I can give for others. Simple. Others gave for me, so I get to now. It's not like a pay it forward thing. It's just a, God, I want to be faithful. Thank you. I've received. God, I've been so blessed. I've been changed. My life's been changed. I want to do that for others. It's not a pay it back. It's not how it works with God. It's an opportunity to do the same for others. I want to be about that. And my hunch is I know that you do too. And so I want to give you a picture just real quick of a story of someone in our church who gets it, who got it, who got here probably before you and has been leading our church by her example. Can we welcome my friend Tamara Durvin up to the stage right now? Thank you. Tamara, I've got you walk-up music playing already. Thanks for coming, Tammy. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to cut the first question and just say it to you, to everyone. I'm just going to answer okay. it for you. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Tamara and her husband, Jeremiah, and their son, Cannon, started coming to Soul City Church seven and a half years ago. Yes. So like right after we opened doors, they showed up. In fact, we have pictures of Cannon as a little teeny tiny kid, and it's so beautiful to see. And uh, if you have ever uh, worshipped here in this church, felt the love of God in this place as we worship, uh, a lot of that can be directly tied back to Jeremiah Durvin, uh, Tamara's husband who led this church in worship faithfully for years. And we're coming up on two years um, since he went to uh, be with God in heaven to worship for eternity. And we still are trying to figure out how to do this without him around. I know you more so than anyone. But I wanted to talk to you, Tammy, because you've always... I've followed your lead and your example, and you always tell me when I say things wrong um, <laughs> about money and God and all this kind of stuff. I want to just hear a little bit about your story. What did you learn about money growing up? Like, what did you, how did you, where did this get into your head? So actually, I didn't learn very much okay. growing up uh, about money, but I did learn actually about giving. And it came more from example um, in the church that I grew up in. I grew up in a more traditional church, and I don't know if some of you 
did the same with an older traditional church where they had like the, the tithe line where you actually stood in line to like take your tithe up to the front. Some people was like, yes, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had like these little brown envelopes. And so growing up, it was like a cool thing. It was a thing of coming of age where you would work and then you would be able to give your 10% and you would be able to get in a tithe line. So it was a, com a, com a competition really with <laughs> our awesome. friends. And That's it was cool awesome. that one day you could get in the tithe line. So we learned about that and we learned how to give 10% to God. The one so thing I did at a young age, yeah. but we didn't learn how to manage the rest. Ah, so the other 90%. Right. We didn't know what to do with that. Just yeah, just figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. And I know that's led to a real passion of yours yes. as you've really made this one of your life's passions is to help people not only get that percentage, that 10%, the giving to God part right, but how to lead manage and manage the, the, yeah, the, other, the rest. So why, why for you has giving become such a priority? I mean, from a young age, from your first job, your first check, why has that remained? Even as life has changed yes. in the last two years more than any of us ever wanted more, no, no more so than for you. Uh, I would say two, I would say two things. Yeah. Given is a priority first, because I recognize even from an early age that everything I have, whether it's the job, career, money, as it flows to me, it all comes from God in the first place. Yeah. So really giving for me is simply my thank you to God every two weeks to say thank you for blessing me with the job, with the resources that he's yeah. providing. Yeah. And then the second thing yeah, second. is, I would say specifically for Soul City Church, one of my priorities and why it's important for me to give specifically to Soul City, and we started giving, of course, the first time we walked through the door, but I'm sad that we didn't have the line for you to do that yes. the first time. Yes. You know how I'm, I feel I'm about work the on that. I know. So. I know that's right. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. But is that Soul City Church when I needed them and I didn't know even I needed them, mm -hmm. Soul City like poured enormous tangible love on our family when yeah. we needed the most um, and came alongside us. So we've been a recipient of the generosity of Soul City Church. Yeah, so you've contributed and given to it and also been But that's able to not receive. why we gave. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's actually really, that's really good that you you got a taste, though, of what yes. you were pouring into. Why, why do you think, uh, Tamara, that it, th this is one for folks that they can hold out on or miss out on. For those folks, you know, that maybe are stuck kind of in the gripper yeah. part, like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, or maybe the, you know, they're tipping, you know, they, you know, every now and then. What would you encourage them with? Well, actually, I'm going to encourage you with a story. So it. a couple years ago, Jeremiah and I taught Canon the, the principle of the give. He had the three jars. Jared talked about it last week. The give jar, he had, well, he didn't say give, but yeah. give jar, save Same. jar, and a spin jar. And he, we had taught him about giving back to God, and he was excited. So the, the next Sunday came, and at that time, Soul City Kids was sponsoring a child. I think it was in World, in World, World Vision. Vision. Mm -hmm. And so Cannon was going to take, you know, the doll. He had decided, decided in his heart that he was going to give $1 um, to Soul City, Soul, Soul so City Kids. Awesome. <laughs> so Cannon, we thought he, he had his dollar in his pocket. Cannon came home. Jeremiah said, Cannon, did you, did you give your dollar in Soul City Kids? He's like, no, you know, because I thought about it, and I was looking at my give bank, and I won't have that much left over, you know, if if I give my dollar. Now, mind you, he's probably like five. Like, what do you really have? In the, he had two other banks. He had a saved <laughs> bank and, and a spending bank. Right. But he, it, not a lot of expenses in his life at this point. Right. Right. right so right. Cannon was gripping. He was gripping the dollar. 
But what Canaan didn't know is Jeremiah had already planned because of his obedience and really getting the principle and him being excited to be generous. And we wanted to, um, Jeremiah wanted to bless him. Jeremiah had already decided that he was going to give Canaan $2 when he came home. And what God showed me even in that is that we don't realize the benefit, the value in, of keeping an open hand. Yeah. Nothing can get into a closed hand. And he also showed me is that, you know, really my sons and daughters have no idea how much I love them yeah. and how much I have in store for them yeah. if they just trust me. Yeah, that's powerful, Tammy. And I know for you, I would be remiss without mentioning this, that uh, like we talked about the other 90%, this has become such a passion for you, and you've been a leader in our church in providing a practical space for people to do the work of uh, working out their resources. And so this Saturday, coming up this Saturday, this Saturday we have our Money Wise Workshop. Money Wise Workshops, October 27th, yep. 9 o'clock. And I know sometimes, even with giving, the way this came about, Money Wise and even Budget Boot Camp, some of you that have been around here for a while, is that some of us really don't understand. We, we say, okay, yes, I want to give. But when you look at your budget, you're like, I can't figure out how to do it. Right. Come to Money Wise. Yeah. We'll show you how. Yeah, that is an un, like unapologetic plug uh, yes. for Money Wise because <laughs> Tamara and her team leads that. And we want to see 100 folks at Money Wise. Uh, and we already have a ton of people sign up. And so we want to see uh, that packed out this Saturday. And we have several workshops, budgeting basics, saving, debt, and home ownership if you're looking to buy a home. That's awesome. Can we thank and bless Tamara for her faithfulness? Thank you, Tamara. I love that. So listen, here's what I want to do. I want to wrap up and we're going to close the song. And um, if you, if, you know, if you're kind of doing the math, you've been around church before, you may have noticed like, oh, wait a second. They haven't received the offering yet. Is he saving that to the very end of a giving talk? Again. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't, if I'm not clear, I'm not. Yeah. That's a, Yeah. But here's why. I want to give you some homework, and I want it to be, uh, again, just as we learned today, between you and God. The majority of our church actually gives online, and it's one of the best ways. How Jean and I do it, it's one of the best ways for us to faithfully, joyfully give, and it's a way that we've actually been able to grow our giving, been able to increase our giving to God over the years. And I think it's so important that you at least explore it, that you check it out. So here's what I want you to do. In a moment, we're going to kind of do the buckets, do the thing that we normally do, and we worship together. But I actually want you to get your phone out. Or some of you have already had your phone out this whole time. Awesome. I actually want you to text the number that's going to be up on the screen. You can text the word Soul City, all one word, Soul City, to 77977. And here's all it's going to do. It's, it's not going to pull any money out of your account. It's not going to do anything weird like that. It's just going to send you a link where you can explore and take a next step to say, what would it look like for me to become a giver? What would it look like for me to kind of get this thing settled? As others have given for me, I want to give so that others can receive what I've received from God in my life, maybe even in this church. Text Soul City to 77977. It'll send you a link. You can look at it later on today. If you're a student here, you want to talk to your parents about this, you should do that. If you're married, you want to talk to your spouse, I highly recommend you doing that. But boy, what if this weekend you said, you know what, I'm just going to start it may not be in the dream of where I want it to be, but it's going to be where I can start today. I think that's the best next step you can take is to just take that step to get in the game and see what God does through you as you trust him with what he's entrusted to you.
So I'm going to pray for us. When I'm done praying, our amazing volunteers are going to come to receive this week's offering. Father's going to lead us in worship. But will you join me? Just open up your hands. You know, that's the posture of a giver, as Tamara mentions, just open hands. And so would you open up your hands as we pray together, close out this message. Jesus, thank you for the reality that you have already modeled to us everything we need to know about giving. You gave of yourself. You gave of your time. You gave of your presence. And you gave your life, ultimately, so that we could actually have real life. And so help us to get this, that it's not about guilt, and it's not about shame, and it's not about pressure, and it's not about feeling like we have to, but that we get to. We get to be a part of what was already done for us. Thank you, God, for the folks that got this before we got here. Thank you that they got this one right. Thank you for Tamara and Jeremiah and their faithfulness, God. Thank you for the many others like them who have just so enjoyed, got to sit back and enjoy as you change and transform and redeem lives. And we all get to see and experience that. And God, thanks that we get to be a part of it. What a privilege. So help us to build our lives on you, God, not our stuff, not our fears, not our scarcity, but to build our lives on you. And as we do, God, we know that you will do as you promised. You will bless us abundantly more than we could even possibly imagine. It's in your name that we pray and give. Amen.